Hello, good day everyone, welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers Podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here by my co-host and one of our favorite possible guests. Hey everybody, it's Ryan, I hope you're all doing well. I'm uh, coming at you from the uh, Tokyo area of Japan, of course, and uh, our guest today is... Egeros is back. Um, been playing hey. some Pioneer, <laughs> glad to be back, talking about magic, and probably... Yeah, he's got internet again, we're gonna, we're gonna use you as much as we can, I think, because, yeah. uh, so you you're streaming our favorite again spike too. to go to on. How's the streaming going, by the way? It was really nice, I had a bunch of people watching today, we lost a lot, it was just really fun. Is that your first even big stream since you... Even had a viewer, even had a viewer say they... Got to meet through the episode on the podcast, so nice. that was really oh, sweet. That's exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we help each other. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I caught the end of your stream. You know, you started at like 3 a.m. for me, so I woke up at 9 and was like, oh, hey, Atcross is still streaming. Yeah, I had you on in the background as I played video games. Sorry. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's jump into the topic for today. So, welcome to the podcast. What we wanted to talk about is something that we absolutely had to have Agoras on for is vampires. Uh, it is a world of vampires right now mm. because it's kind of popped up as maybe even the most popular deck in the format right now. You know, we'll, we'll see if that ends up being a flash in the pan. There's times where we've seen decks, you know, become the most popular and then drop back away. But right now, vampires is really big. And we just want to talk about the you know the deck in entirety. Look at some recent lists. Talk about where it is and why it got there. Um, some of the core cards, as well as some of the variations that you could be playing on it. Yeah. So you know, I, I just want to say that you know, vampires has been around for quite a while, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it only just now, you know, kind of reached a point where we could say it's it's you know, it's always been competitive, but it hasn't been good is that does that sound correct Ooh, ekros is gonna mm-hmm. i, I want to hear your opinion like, on that like before, I, like I, before I think it's been it, good. it wasn't or maybe no sorry it's it's always been good but it hasn't been consistent there we go is that yeah, a correct way vampires, to say it i mean i think i agree generally vampires um had and probably still have a bit some in inherent issues but I agree it's always been good. It's one of these decks where you have to be right on top of the meta. You used to mm-hmm. have to be right on top of the meta for to get... Like, if you're missing a sideboard card, like Self-Reflected Wound, in a weekend we're going to meet mm-hmm. a lot of 5-color Niv, you were just going to lose it badly. And it was really tough finding that right balance. But I think mm-hmm. with some of the new cards we got, the deck is just now... It's just good. Even if you miss a couple yeah. of slots, you're still doing some really strong things. You got your go-to cards, and it's uh, it's been impressive. And so, even before there was black vampires in the format, there was you know black aggro mid range was very much a deck, and then people started trying the more vampires version of it, and that ended up pretty much fully replacing it. Like we don't mm. see, we see the occasional like black aggro, but I feel like that version has pretty much dropped off. In favor of the versions that get to run Soren, get to run a little bit more of a mid-range plan, and that has looked really good in the meta recently. Mm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit at all about why, in this specific meta, Vampire seems to be doing so well? Yeah. Well, yeah. First off, maybe you know, like, tell us, like, and it's, of course, other than how does it win? Maybe what what kind of deck is is Vampires and Pioneer? How would you describe it? 
I'll start by saying Vampires is not an aggro deck. And mm. it pains me. It rips my heart out when people say Vampires is an aggro deck. Because the deck, it, it, could, it has aggro draws. Sometimes you do need to turn the corner. But that is because Vampires is, I think, the closest analog to it would be like modern Jund from a few years mm. ago. Mm. You know, the Jund everyone's oh, reminiscing yeah. about. It's like, yeah, you get to play um, Tarmogoyf into Liliana into Bloodbraid. And it's like, this is the kind of deck vampires is you have really good plays that dominate the board you have efficient interaction you have some planeswalkers and you either take the aggro or the control role depending on the matchup and Mm -hmm. i think that stands in the core of vampires and i think that's why maybe the deck hasn't like up until now haven't caught up super well because you needed to put the time to learn it and the payoff wasn't always there so Mm -hmm. it was just never too popular i think so it's very grindy. You're getting a lot of value out of your lands, which is something yeah. I've felt like is a big thing about mid-range in Pioneer is that it's really important to be only one or two colors because you want to be able to play as many utility lands as possible. That's where the mid-range and control decks really grind out a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, you know, card for card has some of the highest power cards in the format, and that's really what yeah. it's doing. Yeah, so how has... does it win? What are... mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, what... let's go over that next. How does it win? Yeah. So, I would say the games. So we're trying to look at like different types of games, right? Um, mm-hmm. Some games you just have the perfect opener. You just go turn one, play turn two, vampire turn three, Sorin, put in a champion of dusk, which is essentially a huge wall drifter, and you're just you're just ahead. Like you have a planeswalker, you have a, lots of pressure, and you can probably do whatever you want to the game. That's one type of game. This is the easy kind of game. Um, I think I would say there are like two more types of games. One is the one where you have to be very controlling. You're trying to trade your cards. And that includes, and I've done that play a lot, like turn four, animate Mutavolt, play Sorin, sack the Mutavolt to kill something. Like you're literally trading your lands for the mm-hmm. creatures. Um, just so you can try and keep up, and then at some point your lens will peel you ahead, your Champion of Dusks, your Kalitases, like those kind of cards. So you're playing mm-hmm. more of a controlling game. And then the third one would be where you don't draw the controlling pieces. You don't draw interaction. And these are the most interesting games, in my opinion. We just race. And these races with the lifelink and the mendens and using your mana, they can be very tight, which I think is amazing. Mm. But generally, you attack with creatures, and you have tons of lands that do stuff, like Kevin said, and you have mm. the most efficient interaction in the format, and you have a broken planeswalker. So that's like the gist of it. All right, so final question. Why is this one of your favorite decks? You know, you've been playing it forever. What, what drew you to it? I actually was playing it. I don't remember. I was playing it um, before Inverter was a thing. And I remember trying, I was playing Mono Green Ramp and we were beating Ag with it and then some control decks popped up and we could never beat those. And I was like, I'll try this vampire deck. And I think it was probably just beating, you know, blue-white control with a bunch of mutables, like literally nothing else. I was like, uh-huh. this is nice, I'll keep doing this. Um, and I came back to the deck mostly after the Inverter Van and it's been on and off since but um it's one of my favorite decks because i really do feel that again i think it's the same appeal as jund has two people where it's you have you feel smart when you win 
mm-hmm. and you get to play a bunch. I mean, Fatal Push and Thoughtseize are probably two of my favorite cards ever, and and the deck does give you a lot of control over the game. You do have a lot mm-hmm. of control of the pace of the game and and how it's gonna develop, and it's really rewarding your decisions, which is what I said mm-hmm. if it's smart. So. Okay. Um, ready to move on to the uh, meat and potatoes of the, the topic today then? Kevin, ready to go? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You want to introduce it or should I? Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I keep on taking over from Kevin. Sorry. Um, so, core cards. Can you kind of run us down, you know, what, what cards are most important for the deck and why you play them? Sure. So um, you have a three mana Saurian, which is the reason to play this deck. It's a really strong planeswalker. Um, two plus one abilities, which we all know how broken that can be. And uh, the minus three, which goes really well with the second important card, which is Champion of Dusk. And Champion is, you know, a four, 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 five ETB draw cards equal to the number of vampires you control. Lose that much life. And this card can definitely go out of hand. So... These are the two big reasons to, you know, go Vampire's archetype. And then black is just a really strong color in and of its own. Um, you got to run Fatal Push and Thoughtseize. These are two more core cards in the deck. And Knight of the Eben Legion, Murderous mm-hmm. Rider, and Kalitas would be... Like, if you're playing black creatures, you're probably playing those cards to some extent. Mm-hmm. And then I would like to give a bit of love to... Probably the most hated card in the deck, which is Gifted Eitherborn. Um, people are talking shit about that card a lot. They're like, oh, I can't wait <laughs> until we get a two-drop that can replace this card. And, and like, that, oh, that card is so bad, you have to play it in your deck. It's like an example of why Vampires is not a good deck. But I genuinely think Gifted Eitherborn is one of the most important pieces of this deck. Just being three toughness on a two-mana creature... And having Death Touch means this blocks insanely well, attacks into... I've attacked countless times with my two drops into their, you know, Niv in play, mm-hmm. which you know, not many two drops can do. And it just races so well. It just does everything you want, and you would never, ever play it if not for, like, the vampire creature type. But once it's there, mm-hmm. I think it's exactly what this deck needs, at least in this, in its current look. Well, I was actually going to say, uh, as long as we're talking about two drops, is that I often see people trying to replace the Dusk Legion Zealot, which mm-hmm. is the other real two drop that we see in this deck. That's the two mana, one, one. When it enters, you draw a card, lose a life. You know, I feel like people try to place that one too. Are there any other two drops that are worth it? Or what can you do to defend Dusk Legion Zealot's spot in this uh, as well? Because I feel like it's something that people look at and think is weak, but, it, you know, is it kind of a core card or not? So Zealot is definitely a sign of weakness for the deck, I think. Not because the card... Mm. I, it, it's it's an Elvish Visionary, right? It's a 1-1, one, one, mm. it replaces itself. It has some value, but I think you probably just have to play it as long as you have Sorin in your deck. Um, Sorin needs fuel, Sorin needs bodies in play, and Dusk Legion Zealot is the best card at just turning into a Lightning Helix, or Chump Locking to protect your Sorin, or being the random creature that gets pumped and mm-hmm. I, I so i do think that zealot is important i think it's possibly more replaceable than gifted Eitherborn. like i would be if mm. we could splash red at no consequence i would try and play um the new epic here the one drop instead of dusk engine zealot but 
I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine. Like you need you need the velocity. You just need the card economy of having a vampire that draws you a card. And mm-hmm. so for now, yeah. I I like keeping it. If anything replaces it, I think maybe the new two one flying vampire that uh, whenever something dies, you get a blood token. Um, hmm. Don't remember the name, but that could be nice because it also like you can sack it, get a replacement. I was about to say it's Dracula, but there's like half a dozen Draculas, so that doesn't help. Well, it is. I mean, it is one of the Dracula cards, but uh, I don't remember what the non-Dracula name is. Um, so, yeah, core, so we talked about core cards, right? We talked about uh, Desk. desk well, that, that, we're, we're kind of working our way up the uh, up the curve here, at least, is where we're starting. We started Night of the Evil Legion kind of mm. as being sort of our 1-1 one, one drop that's aggressive enough but also grindy enough mm-hmm. i mean kind of the even agent can also be a bit misunderstood in this deck i think it's um Knight of the even agent it serves both as a cheap body for Zorin, which you can just th- turn into a lightning critics that's awesome and for champion of dusk obviously but um mm-hmm. sometimes i think one of the things this deck does well is in the control matchups or whenever you play versus something that might have mass removals it it lets you control how much you want to commit into that mass removal, right? So it's a threat that needs an answer on its own, especially mm-hmm. when you have this and immutable going. It's like something needs to be done, and just playing Wrath of God is not going to solve it. Or it's going yeah. to solve part of it, but then... So um, a knight seems like an aggro card, but I don't think it actually is. It serves. It, it's functioning a bit differently here. Yeah, it's again, it's a raw power level card, if nothing yeah. else. So, so we talked about that. We talked about Aetherborn. We talked about Soren. Um, we talked about Duskwatch Legion. Is there anything else that we need to kind of talk about yeah. why you play him? Well, then we kind of get to the four and five oh, drops, yeah. which are the things that you're mostly putting into play with Soren, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and those, you know, traditionally it was Champion of Dusk and Kalidus. And I feel like there's been some new additions. And that's kind of where I wanted to go to what's been added to this deck recently. So I want to touch, just before we go there, I want to touch on Kalidas for a second, because Kalidas is, this is one of the best decks in abusing Kalidas. Um, because you have a Planeswalker mm-hmm. that can kill creatures um, and cheat Kalidas into play, and just because it, you have so much fuel, sometimes the Kalidas just becomes, you know, an 8-9 or whatever, or like a 7-8 and just dominates the board. And um, traditionally, when Kalidas is good, Burn is popular, Vampires is a good deck to pick up, and that's a big reason. Um, and the new one would be Edgar, Charmed Groom, mm. um, which is, you know, it's a, it's the white card. It's, um, black, white, and two casting cost, uh, from the Crimson Bow set. And well, before we, you did see some vampires less running white, this is the real reason to run white now. Um, the, uh, Edgar is a 4-4 that pumps all your other vampires. He's like a lord. And then, and this is tricky, when Edgar dies, you return it flipped to the battlefield, and it's an artifact that gives you, for three turns, you get, on your upkeep, a 1-1 vampire token with lifelink, and then on the third turn, it just turns back into Edgar. So it just pumps everything back, and it has no summoning sickness, and it's just back there again. And um, Edgar has looked really impressive whenever I saw it in play. Hmm. Uh, it's difficult to kill. It pumps your board. It just turns out tokens if they try to kill it. It's just so obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, it's often the card that they most have to get rid of, but if they have to get rid of it and it comes back later, then just in an even worse position. 
Um, so first of all, I want to say, you know, I kind of called that this card yeah, would be good. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I said this, maybe I said this last week too, is that I was like, Hey, you know, I said during the set review, like, why don't we just try splashing white just for this card? And, uh, I'm happy to say that that's, that's how it seems to have turned out because this card's looking really good and it's been a big part of the matter recently. I think it's one of the reasons why this deck is currently one of the most popular decks in the format. Um, and I think we will touch on some other reasons. You know, you were already mentioning it depends on what other decks are popular mm-hmm. of why this would be great. Yeah. Um, let's also touch on Blood Baron because I think that this is mm-hmm. a little bit of a meta discussion, but it, you know, this is something that people used to splash white for j- pretty much on its own to play in this deck. Is Blood Baron, it's a 5-mana vampire. It's a 4-4 four, four lifelink, protection from black and white, and if you have 30 or more life, your opponent has 10 or less life, it gets plus 6, plus 6 and flying. That's less important. It's more the fact that decks who only removal is black or white have a very hard time removing this card they can't even block this card um, there's a lot of places where it can just kind of take over those matchups and with vampires being one of the popular decks this is very much the you know kind of the the mirror breaker as well as most mid-range black decks breaker mm. so we've yes, been seeing is, i think uh, three copies mm-hmm. between main and side I mean, yeah, how yeah, crushing but... would playing Blood Baron be on turn three against the Mirror with the Soren? It's actually funny because you can't even pump this with Soren because it has, it's yeah, not hexproof. Yeah. This is actual protection. Um, but yeah, it looks absolutely horrible. I mean, I've seen this running um, Soul Shatter to try and get rid of this, but this also mm, really works. Magical. This this only works up until the point they put a champion of Dusk into play. And then you're like, oh, that's bad. Um, but yeah, Blood Baron has been the the vampire's... Um, how do you call it? It's like the, the ace against vampires. Five-color yeah, name used to run this card. Exactly. They used to run this card to tutor up against vampires. And more black aggro, of yeah. course. Um, mm-hmm. Because it is very difficult to beat. Um... I'd imagine that this card is extremely important in the mirror match. Just being able to, you can negate one each other's blood barons, I guess. Like if you have, if each hmm. person has a blood baron, that's fine. But this also just kills planeswalkers, and then you start to get into this mutavolt game where mutavolt can block it because mutavolt is colorless, and uh-huh. then things just go. I don't know. This seems. I, I've seen people try to double block a Blood Baron with two Mutavolts and just a piece of removal blows yeah. out their entire life. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Vampire deck is uh, flowing with removal spells, as you know. So uh, Yeah, yeah. So I kind of have a, a big brain question here. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. talked about Mono Black and we talked about Black White. If Black White becomes the de facto, um, you know, especially with cards like Blood Baron of Escopa, does this mean that Black Red might become a thing just you know give you a little bit of extra removal you know against that should we talk about well it? red removal that that can deal four damage is a little bit of difficulty to find as well i mean right now it's popular because i think a lot of things are trying to hit the x4s but yeah definitely worth discussing i mean do you guys want to talk about now or later let's get to that just a little bit later because okay. we we're going to talk about different variations yeah. on vampires i think okay all right then let's talk meta placement yeah. i think where is it in the meta right now? I like think how would you say it matches spot. up? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in a great spot in the meta right now, right? Um, 
it's generally like the new builds with Edgar. Edgar is really good versus Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and Vampires always had a decent Winota matchup because, you know, you just have a bunch of creatures that attack them and they're not good at blocking. And then you have removal spells. And mm-hmm. Winota is only scary up until the point where they they can actually trigger Winota. And if you can dominate the board otherwise... Azika sure is a scary card, not when it trades with the two drop on the other side, which is Gifted Etherborn. So mm-hmm. um, that's roughly a good matchup. Burn is a great matchup for this deck, and I'd imagine that any control deck or like mid-range deck that is slightly less... Um, how to say it? Like, I'm looking at a Rakdos mid-range deck, right? Which just has a bunch of removal spells and a couple of Planeswalkers and Bonecrusher Giant. And mm-hmm. that's just not matching up well versus a deck that snowballs really really fast and can actually pressure your planeswalker and kill your creatures so i'd imagine vampires has a good matchup there i think it's just really well positioned right now in the better game uh any bad matchups oh for sure for sure um the lotus field matchup is always rough um just because, you know, you need to apply pressure and sometimes your draw just doesn't cooperate or sometimes they have a really good counter plan and you just, and they combo you off and you don't have much to do. Mm. And then another rough matchups are um, four color Ascendancy and five color Niv, which both just go wow. bigger than you. Yeah, I haven't seen that deck in a while. And I'm guessing that the uh, Omnath triggered ability, was it, f- is that the one that is four damage to all creatures when it's like at the third time? no. No, no, it's it's planeswalkers, which is still annoying. Kids are okay. soaring. Um, but I th- and also the new um, create not new, but the creativity combo decks have been popping up, mm-hmm. indomitable creativity, and that's also a really bad matchup for vampires. So, if you can go like bigger, but significantly bigger, I'm not talking mm-hmm. five drops. I'm talking like combo pieces or drawing five cards. Um, then vampires have a rough time for sure. It doesn't seem like you're going to run into those decks too much, though. I agree. So I'm saying like you don't really see Lotus Fail and Omnath that much. So I think as far as a, a good choice for the metagame, I, still think, I, I think it still would do very well against pretty much everything. Well, I think the metagame is already responding a little bit. We have seen both of those decks pick up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do you feel about the Niv matchup right now? You were kind of mentioning... This really depends on how they build their deck and how you build your deck. So I've seen the Niv, Niv decks can run Blood Baron of Fiscopa, which I imagine they will now, mm-hmm. which definitely makes matters much harder unless you try and... like And your counter card against this is Self-Inflicted Wound usually, um, which is mm-hmm. very good against Niv, but also not very good versus literally another deck in the meta. So it's kind of rough trying to do that. And then if they have the Scarab God, that's also a card that's really difficult to beat unless you're far ahead on board. Um, so Niv can be difficult, and I think the matchup requires you to have to come prepared in advance. But I don't think okay. it's as unwinnable as people make it to be sometimes. Um, I've been yeah. in... Mm-hmm. Oh, well, one thing I was going to say is that I have noticed Niv decks have been trying to compensate for the Vampire's matchup, it looks like. You know, I have seen more of those cards you mentioned. I've also seen them moving back to Yorian recently, mm. which is something that wasn't going on for a while. And I kind of felt like that's a response to, like you were saying, go even bigger than the uh, the mid-range decks and just be, you know, that extra source of card advantage so they can be a little bit grindier mm. than the Vampire's can be. 
Yeah, for sure. Yorion is an extremely annoying card to handle as vampires, and if you can get, if you have another five drop that's guaranteed, you're guaranteed to draw each game, and it gets you some value in play. And threat again, flying attack planeswalkers down. That's really important. It's it's also tough. a four five when a lot of your stuff is X fours. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, um, and it's just I think it's it's a good choice. I, it's interesting because I do think that the Yorion deck. By the Yorion build might be more susceptible to just like breaking on five, five mana, you know, big stuff. Like if you need exactly yeah. your bring to light or your Niv. But, um, but I'm not sure. It's interesting to see how this shakes out. Oh, Incarnation is another awful one. Basically any like three plus color deck. If you have Yorion, that's even worse than Vampires. So uh, we can- Especially Incarnation can also run Blood Baron. Mm-hmm, yeah. While we're talking about, you know, or while we're not too far from, you know, what we just talked about with the core cards and alternatives, mm-hmm. uh, how about yep. the new Soren? Is that going to become part of the deck? The Soren the Mirthless? Yeah. Which, first of all, has been very good in basically every deck I tried it. I haven't tried it in Vampires mm-hmm. yet. But, um, oh, okay. I, I do think it's going to be good there. Um, I was a bit reluctant to add it to the deck because. You end up flooding on four drops a bit, and you can't put that into play with the other Sorin. But it's been popping up in lists, and the card is just good. Uh, getting to draw extra cards, getting to put vampires into play, super important for the other Sorin. Um, seems like a decent addition. I'm gonna have to test it out myself to give you, okay. you know, a, a final verdict. But it's a good card. Can't really go wrong. Okay. So, uh, yeah, let's move into, like, your your f- recent build then. Let's just go over all, all the, the cards that you would play, um, you know, if you were going to take this to an event, you know, next week or, you know, this month. So, so I, I think we've gone over most of the core cards. Yeah. If, Any are you asking yeah. Doug over the numbers here, Ryan? Yeah, we go over the numbers and, you know, just point out and maybe some other stuff that we might have missed that we didn't talk about in the core. So yeah, what what is your mm. your current list? So, I think the current list would have. I mean, you have to go for four offs of the cheap vampires. So you play four mm-hmm. gifted, four dusky Jinzilla, four knight of even legion. You're definitely playing four Sorin imperious blood lord, and mm-hmm. and then it gets and then I think the the rest of the cards are where you can tweak the numbers. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go below two Edgars. I think the card's really good right now, so I would probably keep that. And probably like two Kalitas. And the mm-hmm. removal suit, the interactive suit. I mean, I'm a fan of four push, four thoughts, but I've seen a lot of decks streaming on the pushes, just moving one to the sideboard to make more space in the main deck. Um, Murderous Rider is definitely a card you can play in the main deck, but also Power Ward Kill could be good you just need to be aware you're not running into too many like angels is popular now so maybe that's not the best choice to run in your main deck mm-hmm. um <clears throat> yeah there was a short while there where power word kill was definitely really good because there was not much niv there was no real angels yeah. um there wasn't much core folds but i, I feel mm-hmm. like angels and niv has both come back a little bit and glory exactly. bringer yeah yeah oh man missing glory bringer sitting there with your doom blade when they cast their five drops and you can't kill it it's just uh not good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and I am also a really big fan of 4 Champion of Dusk, but, again, you can only run so many 5-drops, and I've seen people trim one for the Blood Baron of Escopa. I think um, Peter Breedle, Henry Middlestein started it. 
which if you expect to see a lot of mirror matches, I like it. I, I think you could also probably afford five four drops and then just play the full four champion plus the one bad baron, but playing a baron in the main deck seems like hmm. a pretty good bet right now. Yeah, sounds good. And then any other and then, key oh, cards? I was only going to call out, uh, you know, one change in the land recently was yeah. the Daran Estate being an addition. You know, not only being able to type for black and white, but also that one lets you make blood tokens occasionally. You know, it's just another utility land mm-hmm. yep. coming in pretty much for free. Yep, it's uh, it's almost free. The only thing it's not casting is basically your sideboard white cards and your push thoughts is removal spells. Um, I think it's interesting because it also gives this... It's something very small, but it could come up very often, is blood tokens that you trigger revolt really easily for push. And sometimes that's not easy to do on your opponent's turn. So tagging a Winona mm. with a push just became that much easier, mm. which is super nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, the mana base is... You play four pathways because that's what you do. And then you play two estates because I think that's the right number. I wanted three at first and I was like, well, that card is not as good as it seems. And and then you probably want like two to four goddess shrines and some other duels maybe. But the mana base is pretty much locked in stone at this point, I think. Yeah. Are any uh, sideboard cards that you want to go over that you think have been popping up recently or that you think are specific call-outs, or is it um, kind of stock what you've seen for the most part recently? I mean, I think the basics are right there. You have to play some Blood Baron of Viscopa. You have to play Go Blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, you wanna, you definitely want the fourth push if that's missing and some more removal spells. Deafening Silence is pretty nice. I would mention that I wouldn't build a sideboard without at least one copy of Crippling Fear. Um, that card tends to overperform. You can't run many of those, but the one-two copies can get you out of some really tight spots. And um, I love Grafdigger's Cage. If you expect to see more stuff like Jan Citadel and maybe Winoda, but that card doesn't quite work versus Indomitable Creativity, so just be on the lookout for mm. that. So... Quick. There is a two mana one that works, isn't there? Or am I wrong? No, it doesn't work either because creativity says you exile the cards and then you put them into right. play from mega. It's weird. Okay, okay. So crippling fear minus three minus three until end of turn um, for yeah, of course creatures of the type you don't choose is minus mm-hmm. three minus three good enough to uh, kill a lot of stuff? I mean, I know it's good against like burn or red decks. Yeah. Um, what depend. other matchups would it be good against? So really, it's it's mostly for the red decks and for Jund. Um, versus Jund, it's awkward because they have so many 3-drops and your pushes look really weird. And that, like, it's so hard to get them to trade profitably. And Crippling Fear mm-hmm. can just turn the tides of a game where you're falling behind. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's also absolutely reasonable against Winoda. Just clear out the 2-2s two and the 1-1s lying in there that are threatening when they top deck the Winoda next time. And um, But I do think that you can't run too many of these because, for example, versus Angels, that card kind of sucks. Versus Spirits, mm. you don't really want to mm. draw multiples because the one is nice, but sometimes they have X4s in play. Mm. Um, so I think it's a... What two. about the green beatdown decks, like nah. green or green-red? Also, it, they usually have X4s. Like, I'm thinking Sealift yeah. Champion, right? If it doesn't kill their 3-drop, probably, we're probably not playing it. You're probably not bringing it in. Okay. Um, 
So that's, but that's a really important distinction, I think, to make, that you might have this card in a sideboard and you tag it as, this is good against creatures, but that doesn't include all creatures. Um, so just beyond the lookout, like, try and figure out how the games actually look when you're running um, these sideboard cards. For example, if you thought this would be good versus five-color ascendancy, four-color ascendancy, because this tags Coriatids, maybe that's a good sideboard card there. I don't know. I haven't tried it, but... Don't 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 tunnel vision into this big one specific card, right? It has a bunch of uses. Yeah, I was gonna ask Ash actually instead of crippling fear, how about that Yeheni minus minus three that lets you put a three mana card in for free? Would that be good? You think like put in a free Thorin, no. or should I a free Sorin <laughs> off of that? I think the problem with that is you tend to have a bunch of small creatures in play too. Um, I could think maybe of matchups where you won't. Mm. It's tough because you just you start off with twelve like you know you have four one drops eight two yeah. drops, and they tend to stay in play because no one wants to kill them because they kind of suck, um, or at least they look not threatening. But I I don't think it's because I was thinking right now about like cyberding crippling fear in the mirror match right where you can choose you can like play to it you can slow roll creatures and they probably wouldn't expect it. So expertise is not that far off, and the tempo play is mm. pretty big. Mm. Um, I am a bit worried that Soren is literally the only card you want to put in there. Like the, the rest yeah. of these cards are kind of meh, right? Yeah, if you have a bit more three drops, it would be good. But but I definitely think this is a smart idea, right? Um, mm. Also, um, the blood, the Mithuk massacre is something you could oh, look yeah. into, just because imagine trades just draining them for one now. I don't know. Maybe we can figure out... It, it also gets Black Baron of Escopa. I mean, there's definitely this space yeah. for innovation here. Yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I think we all just love that card, too. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so I like the idea. I don't know if it's work if it's going to work for, like, this current build, but it's, it's a good idea. All right. So uh, I think that is, like, a good talk about the current list. Is it okay to talk about the uh, alternative list now? Yeah, like, yeah, let's go into that. Let's, like, I want to I hear your uh, your thoughts on the black-red version that's been seeing some play. Are we talking about the Claudio um, Burn Your Soul version? I, I think there's a couple versions to talk about here, since I think that mm. some of the black-red vampires actually do play a good job of doing a mid-range mm-hmm, deck, mm-hmm. Um, but we're not currently seeing that version really seeing much play. We have also, you know, you and I talked about it, and now it's, it's really popping up, is like a Luris version. So, like, the, the only real reason why you'd ever be willing to get rid of Sorin might be to play Luris. And those versions have been lower to the ground, more about blood tokens, usually. Mm. Yeah, so we get... Um, so I, I wouldn't mind talking about both of those, just as a, as a way to touch yeah, on Yeah, how are they? How would you rank them? Uh, I don't know if I can rank, rank them. Because, them? <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't really have lists, but I think, like, I want to talk about a couple of the ideas here. So, uh, first of all, I do think blood tokens are significantly better than people expected them to be. Um, mm. It's just really nice to have that that ability. Vampires are prone to flood because you don't really have a lot of control over draws. And being able to, to just have rummage in your deck for free is super nice. So, um, the burn deck looks... I don't know if it's a meme or not, but it definitely looks interesting. Um, 
it, it does tap into two things that I like about the blood tokens, which is one, the artifact theme, which I don't think you can do much more than play Shrapnel Blast and Unlicensed Disintegration, I suppose. But um, There you go. But the other thing that it does is tap into the Madness theme. And Vampires mm. have right now tons of enablers for Madness, like loads of them. The problem is we don't really have good payoffs um, for Madness, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, I mean, look at this. This is Fire Temper. That's a good card. And then Alms of the Vein, which is Lightning Helix Your Head. Um, not exactly a card. I do think Falcon Wrath Gorger is probably the Madness yeah. card that I mm-hmm. think think might overperform the most because then every vampire creature you have, you can cast it at flash speed by paying one more and you draw a card. Yeah, I agree. The problem is once you don't have it, it's, like it's difficult to build the deck around it because once you don't have it, it's awkward, but I think we... There's an interesting core, for sure, because if you look up, you know, Vampire plus Madness in Pioneer, you'll end up seeing mm-hmm. more creatures than you thought or decided. Um, they're just not extremely good creatures. They're like... Asylum Visitor is maybe, like, the best of them. Yeah. I've tried playing something with the, like, Abolisher of Bloodlines. D- didn't have much luck there. Yeah, these kind of cards. And I think there yeah. might be something out there. Maybe not right now, but once we get... A couple more payoffs, for sure. Um, so, and, and the red versions, I think, could also be playing more of a mid-range deck, as you, mid-range version, as you said. Um, I think Anya is really interesting, just as more reach for the deck. And, um, like, the two drop that when creatures die, you get blood tokens, and the blood dice harvester are both... Extremely high value creatures with something that vampires usually lack, lack, which is good sizing for their cost. Um, yes. So Blood Tithe Harvester, I think, is one I really want to touch on because that mm-hmm. you know has been seeing some play even outside of vampires decks. That's just a 3-2 for 2 that makes yeah. a blood token when it enters. And you can sacrifice it to give a creature a minus X minus X where that's twice the number of blood tokens yep. you control. I missed it twice first time reading that card. I was like, this card sucks. Mm, yeah. It doesn't. It th- it's fine, I think. You know, you play. You get a second blood token. You can kill a thing in the ice. Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really big, actually. Um, I, you know, I also, as long as we're talking about mid rangey red ones, what do you feel about Florian? Oh, Floria. That's a card I thought would perform better. Like I thought it would get adopted into lists, and it hasn't. Um, huh. Yeah, it's been performing well for me recently is why I want to bring it up. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd like to see your build then. Because I think you probably need some flyers to go with it to really make it... Like, I want I want consistent ways to get damage through is what I want. Which um, one's Florian? Although I would... Yeah. So Florian, it's a one, one, one black and a red. So three mana, three, three, first striker. It's a legendary vampire. Oh, for and night, at the beginning of your post-combat main... You look at the top X cards of your library where X the amount of life your opponent's lost this turn. You exile one of them and put the rest in the bottom. Um, so you know, the first turn you play, if you like have a three drop and you play this turn four, you could you know, grab a land drop off of it. Like It includes land, so that's really nice, especially yeah. if you're hitting in for some decent-sized mm. chunks. Um, so just a nice source yeah. of card advantage as well as a 3-3 first striker. Isn't embarrassing, I'd say. It's also, it's not combat damage. It's just like life loss, as you said. So if you... You play yeah. it on turn three and turn four. You play Voldaren Epic here. This just drew your card. Like, that's what it, it does. It also might be bugged because I was playing it on Moto yesterday and put 
my opponent's creature on the bottom of my library somehow. So that's a thing. <laughs> Just going to yeah. shout out that fun little bug. I wish I knew that before I played today. I would have definitely tried and re- like recreated this bug. <laughs> so Just to see what's up. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. So you were talking about the aggro version. How, let's yep. go more of that mid range version, the one that's playing like um, Olivia and uh, also yeah. I think like it's more of like the that, death. That's where I was going to go next. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is Olivia? I think is the one thing that's worth. Well, there's really looking. There's at the whole death the touch, t- the death touch um, oh, version that yeah. had the other uh, haste guy that was like uh, what mm-hmm. five mana, six mana, right? That gets cheaper like for every. Zadras, yeah that that was a that was a bad meme. I think yeah. I think that got like one random five zero. Okay, um, I think the Olivia part of that's good. I don't. You, I think we talked about this on our brew episode, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I said, you know, I tested that out. Take out the Zadras. Take out the like hooded blight thing or whatever the vampire or the, the non-vampire payoff. Were. Yeah, because um, but you know you've got Kalidus yeah. is a better lord. You've got Florian. You've got Olivia. It's easy enough to bring something back with Olivia yeah. and have it stick around yeah. even if she dies. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that Olivia, if you're looking for um, like a matchup breaker where you just need to go super big, I think Olivia could actually do that board really well, perform that board really well, even if you're not actively playing red in your deck. Just count on mm-hmm. Voldaren Estate and Sorin putting it in play. Mm-hmm. It's like, just do it. Um, so you're saying Marty? Let's go Marty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, imagine just like, yeah, they get rid of your Blood Baron, but you just put a, an Olivia into play and attack, and it's back. <laughs> it's back uh, and nice. attacking. It's yeah. back and attacking. <laughs> it's, unfortunately, it's not a legend, so it doesn't count itself, because technically, yeah, the counter Olivia puts does count the creature itself. So, if I recall yes. correctly, so that's really sick, I think. Um yeah, that's where I was trying to say, you know, you've got Kalidus yeah. is also a vampire legend. You've got, Edgar. if you're running the, um, yeah, Edgar, certainly in that version. And if you're running the Florian in the mm-hmm. red-black version. For sure, yeah. Definitely. While we're, um, while we're just, talking, to, mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm, go ahead. I was going to say another card that we kind of forgot to talk about was the new Blood Vial Purveyor as well. The 5-6 Flying Trample for 4. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. I, I thought it'd be good enough. Maybe I mean, would that fit into any of these versions? Would it fit into, you know, the mono black, the uh, white black, or like this, you know, red black version? It's what? Can you remind me what it does? It's a five six flying trample for four, and whenever an opponent casts a spell, they get a blood token. Mm-hmm. And when he attacks, he gets plus one plus zero for each blood token the defending mm-hmm. player controls. Yeah, so I, I think you know, if I if I have an opinion, I think you're kind of falling into the trap here. Of this isn't an aggro list. If mm-hmm. it's that or Kalidus, I'd much rather have yeah, Kalidus in this list for the life gain, the utility, the um, ability to go big. And I think that's really where it is. It's like they're already pretty jammed up on four drops with that, the new Soren, mm. and we'd rather go with the more mid range option. I mean, is there ever a situation I, where you would want this type of card? I, I mean, I think so. It might not even be a vampire's card, right? I mean, this card is just ridiculously huge Mm. um and i think as long as you're putting enough pressure on them so they don't really get to use the blood tokens for anything Mm -hmm. and the real problem with this card is you know what what happens if you cast this and it just dies right and they get a Mm -hmm. couple of blood tokens but i think it's it's definitely interesting enough to look at because the body is huge and if they don't 
if they're not able to enter it immediately, it just dominates the board by quite easily. Um, mm. I think I don't know if it's for vampires. If it is, you probably want to run it. Maybe even in uh, I don't know the madness. Maybe you go aggro. Maybe you play this in the madness version. Maybe you play Killian in your vampires list just to hmm. to to play this ahead of curve, right? Um, I, I mean. I was gonna say, mono- I mean, I've got a stompy list with uh, Blood Vile Purveyor and Rotting Regisaur and, mm-hmm. and Elves, but that was doing all right. But I was gonna say, maybe this is what uh, Mono Black needs to be playing instead of the Spectacle Demon. You know, yeah, you can play it for three, but it comes in as a four, 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 four and this is automatically like yeah. a five, six. This doesn't die to Lightning Axe, which is pretty big. Yeah, or to yeah, love it does also it, it also gets bigger. Um, you know, when it attacks, it gets bigger power based yeah. on the number of blood tokens mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. controls. Just I think you'd forgotten that. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, I don't think it fits for this list though, as far as what okay. we were talking about. I do have some more. Um, you know, as long as we were talking about white, you know, the white splash right now is very small. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people haven't looked at what other white options there are. As long as we're going into white, so I just want to call it a couple of like white vampires. That I'm wondering if they could ever find a home. For example, Adanto Vanguard. Hmm. Um, maybe that's more aggressive. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking at other two drops, especially because we've been talking about the two drops, like Adanto Vanguard as well as Legion Lieutenant, which is actually a lord. Yeah. We're not playing at two mana. Yeah, kind of want to just hear across thoughts if mm-hmm. you've got anything. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, again, I don't think this is a lieutenant deck unless you really. I, you could also go into you know full on Bardu mode. Play Voldaren mm-hmm. Estate, play uh, Unclaimed Territory, right? Play Mana Confluence. Yeah. And you can probably play a bunch of and a bunch of pathways and just have like red one drops, black two drops, um, I don't know, whatever. Just something like this. And maybe maybe that's an avenue to go with the Sorin list. Um, mm-hmm. The Lurus list is what I meant to say. And um, so, uh, but the Lieutenant is not very interesting otherwise, in my opinion. I think that. If you need ways at some point to like bit control decks, Adanto Vanguard is definitely something to look at. I mean, mm. it's just such a good card to also pump with Sorin or even, I mean, Vampire Socialites or something along these lines. Anyway, you pump this, it's just, it sticks in play forever. And Vampires are also really good at gaining life, so makes it easier to pay for the ability. It's a really nice interesting addition except for right now we just don't have enough white sources i think mm. okay okay um maybe one more that's been a pet card of mine for a while and somehow has never seen play is maverin fane dusk apostle mm. why doesn't that card ever see play i feel like that's a good card or should be a good card uh, it's no. like this. so that one's the three mana two two <laughs> and whenever any vampires you control attack uh, well 99 vamp- one or more non-token vampires you control attack you get a white one one vampire creature token Maybe with Olivia, you know, like a Mardu version. That's what I'm saying. Uh, or, or even just you know, we're playing uh, Edgar. Let's pump out the tokens. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I mean, cards probably. It, it's not a bad card. I was genuinely thinking of playing wedding in wedding announcement, and then I realized the tokens were not vampires. That's blasphemy. Oh, hmm. um, <laughs> I, I do think that it's like. Again, maybe not as a main deck card because it's really awkward. You have to be like, atta- I don't know. It's it's interesting because I don't think we ever explored these options. Because um, it's definitely good if you can get a vampire token every turn just by attacking. 
and your gifted leaderboard is either trading or just never getting blocked. Yeah. It's not bad. There's also a new 2-3 um, flying vampire that's like whenever you get a creature with power 2 or less into play, you draw a card. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the um, that spirits that would welcoming give you the clues, vampire. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I've got a bad list with that that I was trying to make work and it, it hasn't felt. <laughs> so I was trying to. There's a vampire card. Um, let me see if I can find my list here. Uh, trying. So call the bloodline is a two man enchantment. Oh yes. Pay one. Pay one. Discard a card. Put a vampire into play. A one one vampire with lifelink. Um, you can only do it once per turn, though, but you could do this on your turn and your opponent's turn mm. each time you're going to draw a card because of Welcoming Vampire. That's not even bad. And then you can play some of the Madness stuff, maybe? Yeah. Voldar and Pariah, because you got all these little yeah. tokens around. Yeah, okay. Oh. It's bad. I like but, uh, it. I like it. <laughs> it's not good, but this is what I was trying. Oh, that's huh. interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I... I Call the Bloodline is a card I desperately want to be good, and I just don't think it is. And it's probably not until no. we get until we get some madness cards, right? Because it is a really good madness enabler, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But again, I, I like I like the idea, and I think uh, we have some more space to explore, not with vampire and vampire adjacent cards. Because Madness doesn't have to be all vampires. You don't have to play just the vampire cards. You can, you know, just mm. rely on them for your enabling and like for enabling your nonsense. So there's one more alternative. I mean, it's kind of along with that mm. red black, um, you know, Olivia one we talked about before. But they, they had like a death touch tribal thing going, and I wonder if there oh. is something there. You know, we we have the Aetherborn. Um, I think it was playing Henrika as well. Uh, which flips into like a, a lord, and also I want to say we have Drana from Battle for Zendikar, or I think it was Battle for Zendikar oh. or Gatewatch. Mm-hmm. That I think she was also Death Touch two three flyer. That you know whenever she deals damage, all of your creatures get plus one plus one token. She's a first strike flyer, yeah. I believe. Yeah, she's a first strike, which is really neat because you get no the trigger touch. before they do the damage. Yeah, no Death Touch, no. Ah, you darn. could play Vampire Scavenger. Just being Nighthawk Scavenger. Yeah. Nighthawk Scavenger. Nighthawk Scavenger. Yeah. Um. So I will say that Dominica is a card that has overperformed for me. I don't think it has a home, but I think it's better than it looks. Um, you know, I looked at it and I think I compared it most to Rankle. Yeah. And I don't think that's quite a fair comparison because Rankle never gets card advantage. You know, Rankle, both players will sacrifice a creature, mm-hmm. both players will draw a card. Yeah. Henrika, most of the time you play it. You're going to play it, draw a card, and then the first time you attack, you flip it over, and it's a 3-4 Death Touch mm-hmm. Flying Lifelink. So really, it's a 3-4 Death Touch Flying Lifelink that draws you a card when it enters the battlefield. And that's that sounds like a decent card. Mm. Um, and it also, the other thing I want to say about it is that it's better in multiples than it looks because the backside has a different name. Yeah. So you can play the front oh. side. You, you, know, you can have one on the back one, play the front side, draw a card from it. The next turn, you can you know have it sacrifice itself if you still got both copies sit aground. So that you're not, um, you're never having to legend roll it. You know, its ability to, sac- to each player sacrifice a creature, you can just use that, and then you got rid of it, the, the extra copy. Mm. That's really nice. Mm. So it doesn't have a home for me, but I think it's a better card than it looks. Okay. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the the two five dragon from um, what was it, Strixhaven, the black white one. Mm. It's like you have to give something to your opponent. 
it looks really bad. And then in practice, like, oh, you can always give them something really bad for them. And you get some nice nonsense yourself. So I... I mm. You know, buff all their creatures when they have none. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and you get to, like, the, getting triggers, like, multiple triggers off these four drops is really nice as a way to snowball. Mm. Yeah. I think that covers pretty much all the alternative decks that, you know, I wanted to talk about. Was there anything else we missed, Kevin? No, I think that's probably it. You know, we've got... We technically have green and blue vampires now, but none of them are worth discussing, I don't think. Okay. I'll mention uh, so, uh, one more card, yeah. if, if I may. Um, that I don't know if it's ever going to see play, but um, I don't even remember the name, but it's like a 3-3 three, three um, for uh, red, red, and one dominating vampire, I think, that yeah, uh, yes. claim the firstborn something, if you have vampires yeah. or something. Like, and, and that card, I think, would never be very good but it's at least interesting as mm. as an ability to attack on a three mana creature yeah um, it definitely is um I, I think that if we had you know it's kind of unfortunate i feel like there's a lot of good sacrifice mm-hmm. like payoffs but there's not a lot of like sacrifice fodder in vampires um that's kind of why you know the black version plays the one one that draws a card is because mm. you've got things that want to sacrifice vampires you don't have a lot of ways to do that if we had some better, you know, payoffs, then maybe you could play a sacrifice-themed vampires deck, run that, and steal your opponent's creatures. Mm-hmm. I do also want to say that card is nice because if you are ever a vampire deck that can curve out, go, you know, one mana vampire, two mana vampire, play that on turn three, it can give itself haste. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, we got some fun cards. Seems like there's a lot of uh, potential, a lot of... Uh you know, fun things to do with vampires in the future. Um, before we wrap this up, what kind of card would you like to see vampires get in the future? Like, what do you think it's missing? Ooh, I think I, I did just talk about it. I would love to see some vamp, some, uh, some sacrifice things. You know, there's like the one drop that can sacrifice and put a counter on every vampire you control. Um, you know, there's Kalidus, there's Sorin. There's a lot of things that would love to sacrifice vampires, and I just would want to see some vampires that want to be sacrificed. Mm. So, you know, some one ones that pay off when they die, some, you know, ones that make additional tokens of vampires, some things like that that uh, would help with that sacrifice theme. Okay. What about you, Emmett? Can I go completely bananas and ask for a two mana sword? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, I would love to see some uh, some more madness cards. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's an archetype I just love so much, and I like that it's a new way for like black red to get value that's not the graveyard. Um, yeah, I like that one too. I like that too. So I, I want to see, that. I want to see better three drops because looking at all these lists, mm-hmm. there's there's one and two drops. I mean, I wouldn't even mind having another one drop other than that one too. That mm-hmm. what drains one when you attack. It's just not good. So either another really good one drop that's kind of like similar to. Uh, uh, what was it? The uh, Even Legion Smuggler's Copy. Yeah, the Knights. Yeah, or some three drop. You know, because right now all that's in the three drop position is Soren. I would love to see, you know, just even like a two of of something that is like just really good. But uh, yeah, that's what I like to see. All right. All right, that's probably going to bring us towards the end of our show here. You know, this is fun talking about vampires. We've. Uh, pretty much exhausted the topic as far as i know hopefully you guys were all enjoying this that you're also vampire fans like we are 
If you guys enjoyed this content, if you want to hear more of it, the best thing to do is to go ahead and follow us on Twitter at MTG Pioneer. You know, you can also value tag us on anything. If you're streaming, if you're uh, posting content, we are happy to uh, to retweet that and get your voice heard. You can also go ahead and find our Discord link in our Twitter profile. Yeah, I hope this topic didn't suck because we talked about vampires. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, socials. You guys can find me on uh, Twitter at Yo Japan Hobbyist. Like I said, I changed that. Uh, Kevin, did you shout out uh, uh, ours already? Uh, at M- yes, yeah, at MTG Pioneer. Okay, and Amit, how about you? Any shout outs? Any socials? Uh, you can find me on Ekeros MTG. That's E K E R O S S MTG on Twitter and on Twitch. And take Patreon. T A C Patreon. We do Pioneer content. We do. All sorts of content if you need sideboard guides. Come check it out. Nice. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated having you here. You know, thank you for this interview with a vampire. Yes. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> there we go. No, don't expose me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to bring us into our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We care about our viewers out there. And we are the First Pioneers Podcast. We look forward to being your go-to source for pioneer information online. Uh, turning into a bat and flying out. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs>